0: Hey, Rowdy Crew, and thanks for checking out The Rowdy Podcast. I know you have a reason why you're not watching this on YouTube or Facebook. Maybe it's because you're on a walk or driving, working, or maybe even laying down. But I just wanted to say thank you, and also I wanted to let you know you can find more content and videos at therowdypodcast.com. Enjoy the episode. What is up, Rowdy Crew? I hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you guys are ready for another very, very busy week. So today on the show, I've got, and I'm joined by Minnesota News Now, Jason. And uh, we're going to be going over a couple of different things. So we've got uh, ASD Docs, who we'll talk with shortly here. Um, and then we've got General Bill Leader, uh, who will jump on a call with us, uh, just in regards to vetting National Guard troops for the inauguration. We'll talk a little bit about the inauguration tomorrow. And then uh, we will touch base uh, on the ATA face reveal and the discussion that I had in an interview with him. So stick around. Let's get started. I hope you guys are having a good day. Looks like I've got a couple of people on here right now. Uh, can you guys hear all right? Is everything you guys hear OK?
1: All
2: right. So we are over here.
3: 6, 2021, at around 9 in the morning, I traveled to D.C. from Northern Virginia. When I got to the Capitol, I was actually really surprised to see a small group of Trump supporters. I honestly thought there'd be tons of people there. What I found out later is a huge group of those Trump supporters that I was expecting were actually at the Ellipse. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's what they call the 52-acre park south of the White House fence in north of Constitution Avenue in the National Mall in Washington, D.C. The reason for the clarification is because until that very same day, I wasn't even made aware that the ellipse is what that area was actually called. At 9.30 in the morning, I went YouTube Live. Now at first, everything seemed calm. I I probably went YouTube Live for about 20 minutes before my service kept getting interrupted. I asked people around me if they had service on their phones and it seemed that others were also having trouble With their phones. At the end of my live, I even made a comment about how calm everything seemed. Fast forward to 12 p.m., I went to go get food. I went to Potbellies, it's about six to eight blocks away from the Capitol. I charged my phone, I got some water. And I just wanna have a disclaimer for those of you listening and watching right now I was very ill prepared for what was about to happen on this day. I had no battery pack. Uh, I don't, I didn't have an extra camera. Uh, I didn't, I never thought in a million years this would happen. At uh, 1 30 PM I saw a large group of pro-Trump supporters marching towards the Capitol. So while I was actually at uh, pot bellies, I could hear uh, people chanting in the distance. Uh, I walked towards them and that's where I saw the large uh, pro-Trump supporters marching towards the Capitol. At 1:52 p.m., I recognized a voice using a megaphone. It was none other than Alex Jones. At 1:54, Alex Jones starts urging people to go to the front of the Capitol. At 2 p.m., two o'clock p.m., yeah, that's when people started knocking down barriers. It actually being on the ground there. I don't know what other how what other people. I mean, I'm pretty sure what other people experienced, but what I experienced, it seemed that the police were letting people in that's what it seemed to to me at the time it didn't seem that there was any urgency or uh, going on in the moment it, it didn't seem unsafe I guess at that time 206 p.m. everyone starts pushing forward on the steps of, of the Capitol, and they make their way in actually in that video clip I even say they're storming the Capitol. you see the sea of people uh, moving forward on the steps and that's when they stormed the Capitol. At 3 p.m., a woman is reported being shot and killed. We now know that was Ashley Bobbitt. This is also around the same time that an order from Mayor Bowser came saying a curfew was put in place for 6 p.m. So the majority, the rest of the time that I was there, I was filming everything I could see all the way up until my phone had finally died. By 5.30 p.m., I managed to get myself out of washington dc um and that's what i saw that's just a quick summary of the events
2: that happened on this day back to you rowdy All right. Thanks Andre. Um, I appreciate it. If you guys
0: haven't subscribed to Andre's channel, make sure that you check him out. He does really extensive research on different things that happen throughout the auditing community and to some of the videos that come out. Jason, what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's great. I mean, I think that's how a lot of times I was in those situations and when you were down there too in Minneapolis, even a lot of the audits, I mean, one thing you got to be prepared for the worst i mean it's like my training with the fire department Your training with the military i mean you go in with the expectations of the not being like that and in a blink of an eye you're in the middle of it
0: yep that's very true all right so when we come back um we're going to get some uh some more uh stuff going on here i know we've got uh, general bill leader that should be on the phone here soon so we'll be right back after these commercials Are you or somebody you know struggling to get customers for your business? Advertise right here on the Rowdy Podcast Show. and Be one of the first to do so getting great benefits and discounts. Go to therowdypodcast.com to sign up. Are you looking for Rowdy Podcast merch? Check out our Flex Your Rights gear, a new line that has just come out from Rowdy Podcast. You can find it on our merch store or the Teespring store just in a couple of days here on Rowdy Podcast. Well, hey, Rowdy Crew, as I mentioned, I do have General Bill Leader, who is a retired general from the Minnesota National Guard. And I wanted to ask him some questions just regarding you know, what we're seeing in D.C. and the vetting of National Guard troops, because he's obviously had a lot of experience leading troops and, and can give us some light on what may be going on and taking place there. So, sir, uh, did you want to just kind of touch base on on mm-hmm. what your thoughts are surrounding vetting National Guard soldiers before they you know are involved in the inauguration and security uh, around that?
4: Sure, I'd be happy to, John. Uh, obviously, this is a national special security event. Um, so anytime one of those is going on, uh, there's going to be a, a large number of people. So I think for this one, they've activated 25,000 Guard members, which is only unusual because of the size. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Obama, they had 9,000 at the time. But let's remember, too, that the, not all National Guards have security clearances. So they're not already vetted. So I think a lot of people think that because they're in the Guard They've already got security clearances, and they don't.
0: That's a great point. And there's a lot that goes into that. Now, you've kind of dealt with some of this before. I know we've we've talked prior about this, but, you know, do you think the vetting process of a National Guard soldier going in makes sense? And has that ever been seen before in terms of something like this where it may be for an inauguration or some sort of political event?
4: Yeah, no, I, I think it absolutely makes sense because let's remember they're going to be armed. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, they, they haven't already gone through a vetting process. They're citizen-soldiers, um, just like you and I, they're just they're citizens um, as well as soldiers. So could could there be a threat there? I think absolutely there could be somebody there that, that could be a threat. So I would rather be safe than sorry when we're going to have soldiers with guns at an inauguration of our
0: president. Very true. And last question, I'll let you go. Um, another thing that a lot of people are talking about is the the first amendment and how this could affect a soldier there's been arguments made by certain you know uh veterans and things like that that you know when you don the uniform you know your political beliefs and all those things go away what would we want to look for if it was actually something um that may be wrong with vetting you know how do we look at those things and know okay everything's good right now and this is kind of the way it should be even though main mainstream media isn't reporting it that way where would we actually want to start to to pay attention and, and be cautious if we're veterans and things like that?
5: Well, again, I don't I don't
0: know what they're doing specifically for sure. vetting them. Um, so I don't think we should be concerned at all that they're vetting our, our, our soldiers. Um, and again, I'm not questioning their loyalty, their professionalism. Correct. Yeah. Um, I, I just, again, think when
1: it's a serious situation like this, when we had the Capitol being assaulted, you know, just a week ago. Uh, I, I think we better be safe and we better be cautious. And, again, that's why I don't have any problem doing doing this vetting. If awesome. I was in charge, I would vet them.
0: Outstanding. Well, sir, uh, I appreciate your time. Jason, do you got anything for him at all? No, I'm good. Okay. Outstanding. Well, thank you, General Bill Leader. I appreciate it, sir. You bet, John. Take care. You too. Be safe. Bye. All right. So, uh, you know, again, thank you, General Bill Leader, for uh, for jumping on the program today. Um, So real quick, Jason, I mean, what are your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, kind of looking into or investigating, um, you know, National Guard members and and troops that are are going to be kind of stuck making sure that this is a safe incident?
1: I I would have assumed they would have vetted these troops before. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just. When I heard about it, of course, it got sensationalized on the news and everyone was kind of up in arms about it. Anytime that you are in close contact, you should be vetted. You should know who your people are. I want to know who people are around me. I mean, when we go out and film, we had extensive conversations before that so we could kind of vet each other.
0: Well, and another another key point to that is that when you go in the military, number one, you're signing away a lot of your of your rights in a certain aspect. Okay. But the other part is too, you know, going into special operations, I had to do what's called an SF 86. Uh, it, it's just, it's just, you know, an FBI background check, all this fun stuff. Um, but like general Leader said, if they're not already vetted in terms of that level of clearance, then that's something that needs to take place. Uh, in order to put them in, you know, that area or or on that detail. And as he mentioned, they've done it many times before. So, um I would add to in my own personal opinion, I think um you know, if they were to start kicking people out of the military for their, you know, their beliefs, politically speaking, who they voted for, if they start going through, you know, people's actual, you know, ballots that were cast mail in ballots things like that prior to send them in. Obviously, those things would be a huge problem and something that should be should be shown to the the country but right now just the general um you know check of hey you know do they have any affiliation with groups those are all things that they're normally and naturally going to do anyways you can't be part of the kkk and be in the united states military period you are not welcomed into the armed services if you have affiliations of any groups such as antifa blm uh you know kkk proud boys any extreme group of either side you cannot be affiliated with that and be in the united states armed services so yeah i don't know i mean i think he makes some valid points
1: i I think he does too i mean i don't think there's some there's always different levels of betting right so there's the basic levels like you were just stating they're gonna check to see that and then as you move up uh when i was more when i worked security i was more a bodyguard where i was right next to the people our betting process goes up higher you know and i think that's the way it should be going
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and i would say here's here's a big thing too for people i see some comments here coming in uh david brenny says mm-hmm. what you know what uh, does he expect on the 20th uh, you know in conversation with him earlier today obviously they they all hope it goes safely um You know, there's a lot of people asking, why do we have 25,000 troops in D.C.? We haven't had that in a long time to include the D.C. riots back in, I believe, the late 80s. And I want to say that that was roughly like, you know, a a thousand. And then as General Leader pointed out, you know, a private phone call, they've also had as many as 9,000 there for inauguration. So this isn't absolutely new, but the goal is obviously just to make sure it's safe. Um, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories and all that stuff. All I can do is just show you what has been going on, bring people on that can actually give you a unbiased opinion or semi-biased because he's a national guard general, but, uh, I want you to hear from the horse's mouth and the media, as we know, continuously makes, you know, mountains out of molehills on things that are not really a big issue. And we're not focusing on the serious issues at hand. So with that being said, let's go to the next thought. We're the next uh, segment here and let's get started. Well, Hey Rowdy crew, as I mentioned, I do have general bill
3: leader who is a retired.
2: All right. So as I mentioned, why don't you say hi to everyone and explain to people what they are seeing Greetings. Um, yeah, this is my face, or at least as much of it as you'll probably ever see. So, uh, You know, I've made the decision recently to try to make a more personal connection with my audience. And uh, this is just one way of fulfilling that. Of course, there are many things to come as far as what Audit the Audit's going to be doing. And uh, it's it's gotten to the point where it's almost necessary for me to uh, let you guys in a little bit more than what I've been doing. Of course, there's always going to be a degree of anonymity between myself and my audience. But I definitely think that they should get to know me and my personality to a deeper degree and just kind of uh, get an understanding of where I'm coming from as a person when I'm creating these episodes and uh, how I come to the conclusions that I do. So. so
0: another question I
2: have, and I've seen, and I know a lot of people often
0: have this question, but I think originally you were recording your episodes, the audio over your episodes, and then a lot of people, I think, thought that somebody else took over, uh, and so you know, but you have been growing uh, and doing more and more. So, can you do you want to explain a little bit about that, just so people understand the the background of it?
2: Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. so Audit the Audit started in a one bedroom apartment, basically, um, and it started with. And I talked about this on a podcast I recently did with ASD, just a little yeah. bit, but uh, it started with me recording the audio through a pair of. Uh, iPhone earbuds, just using the microphone on that, Um, you know, writing on the laptop at the time, and, you know, just very bare bones, you know, and I was just doing what I could with what I had, and of course, it's certainly grown since then, and I've been able to expand uh, my capabilities, not just with uh, the equipment that I use, but also just the research that I do i you know and now I have the motivation to dig really deep into all this stuff and really give you a, a full-scale understanding of whatever is happening at least to some degree and so it's it's definitely been a journey to say the least not just with um, with the equipment and the production value but also within you know myself and my motivations and the uh, depth that I try to try to go to for each episode all right so
0: We do have you on here because I wanted to kind of talk to you about some stuff that I I read on Reddit um, and some questions that had sparked some controversy. Now, this was around a national parks uh, incident that took place and you covered and released recently. So do you want to go into what, what took place in the episode and then we can kind of get into some of the stuff
2: we saw on Reddit? Yeah, I'll give you a brief summary. Um, there was a man who was essentially walking off trail at the uh, Petroglyph National Park in New Mexico, just outside of Albuquerque. Uh, he was caught by a National Park Service ranger who uh, tried to get his um, identification because he was, you know, clearly breaking the law. Uh, the guy refused, ended up walking further off the trail uh, to get to an opposite trail that was on the opposite end of where they were standing. Um, The National Park Service guy followed him all the way. The guy gave him false information about his identity. His sister did as well. And it escalated to the point of the man being tased and taken to the ground and handcuffed. Ultimately, he was released. Him and his sister were released with three relatively minor citations. But uh, there was quite a bit of debate over whether or not the taser was warranted.
4: On December 27th, 2020, 43-year-old Marine Corps veteran Daryl House, along with his sister and dog, were allegedly spotted climbing among and on top of cliffs that are off the designated trail at the Petroglyph National Monument in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Shortly after going off trail, Mr. House and his sister were contacted by an unidentified park ranger with the National Park Service. This is yet another interaction that went viral after a misleading video was posted online, and I highly encourage you all to watch the entirety of this episode to gain a deeper understanding of the legalities at play before draw your conclusions.
5: Park Ranger, I just need to talk to you about the off-trail stuff, okay? Um, you guys gotta stay on the trail, alright? Um, oh, when you're up along the rocks and all that, that's super uh, sacred to the tribes. They don't want anybody up there. And then we get a lot of graffiti as well, okay? What's that? We don't do that. We respect Okay, that's awesome. I'm just telling you to roll, Okay. So, um, and also it's uh, really, really important not have pests off the trail as well, okay? So even, like, right here, we're not on the trail. We really should be along the fenced-in trail area, Just trying to kind of let this get natural and revegetated again, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, do you guys have IDs with you? I don't intend on in right now. No. Sir, you're not free to go right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, bud. Listen, you're not free. Do not, do not do it like this. Okay. Please don't be like that. Please don't be like that. This is just a simple contact that is honestly a warning. I don't expect it being more than that. Okay. So all I need make sure that we haven't talked about it in the past. Sir, <sighs> so let's don't go down that road.
4: Mr. Howes tells the ranger that he does not need his identification and that he will not be providing it. It is important to recognize that the National Park Service is a division of the Department of the Interior and derives its law enforcement authority from Section 102701 of Title 54 of the United States Code, more commonly known as the General Authorities Act.
5: Mr. Howell, that's the only way, the dispatch? 1989. Alright, thank you very much. I just need to clear with dispatch and then we'll be out of here, okay?
4: Both Mr. House and his sister provide the ranger with a false name and date of birth, and the ranger informs the two that once he verifies their identity with his dispatcher, they will be free to go. After the ranger tells Mr. House that he is going to confirm his information with dispatch, Mr. House begins walking away from the scene, and the ranger and Mr. House's sister catch up to him once he gets back onto the trail.
5: So, let me get this straight. You'd like to escalate this contact into refusing to identify yourself? And then in which case you're going to be detained until I can ID you? I'm asking you, if you do not want to identify yourself, I just need your full information. And if you don't want to ID yourself.
2: I don't want to ID myself.
5: Okay. So that would be, refu- that would be refusing a lawful order. You understand that? And then you'll be detained until I can ID you. Do you understand that? Do, do you understand that? All right, sir, go ahead and please give her the dog.
2: My dog ain't going anywhere. Sir, please give her the dog. My dog ain't going
5: anywhere. Okay, here's what I need you to do. Stop right now, sir. Stop walking. Stop walking or you may be tased. Stop walking. Please. Put the put the dog down right now.
2: Please,
5: sir. Put the stop. dog down right now. Put, put, put the dog down right now. Sir.
2: I'm scared you.
5: I, I don't understand. Can you can, can you ask can you ask we him to put the we dog down,
4: please? Can you doing this? Mr. House begins frantically screaming for help as the ranger attempts to detain him? And moments later, Mr. House is tasered multiple times. After being shocked, Mr. House continues to passively resist the ranger, but eventually a backup officer arrives on the scene and Mr. House is subdued and handcuffed. Mr. House was written three citations for being in a closed area off trail, providing false identity information and failing to comply with a lawful order and his sister was cited for providing false information and being off-trail. On the same day of this encounter, Mr. House posted a video of the interaction to his Instagram page and accused the Ranger of racism and misconduct and stated, quote, This could have been a civil interaction. The law doesn't work for the indigenous. Mr. House also claimed that he was clearly on the trail when he was tased, and that he shouldn't have to explain why he was off the trail. Mr. House's post went viral almost immediately, and the National Park Service released the body cam footage the following day, along with a statement declaring that the encounter was under investigation by the NPS Office of Professional Responsibility. The National Park Service Ranger gets an A-, Mr. House gets an F, and this interaction is a prime example of why you shouldn't take videos like his Instagram post at face value. Mr. House was granted significant leniency throughout the entirety of this encounter, and ultimately was allowed to go free with a few minor citations, but still felt compelled to craft a narrative of victimization, despite the fact that his actions were the driving force for escalation. Okay, and so one of the, that's kind of one of the, the, the things that we saw on Reddit.
0: So, you know, with the National Park Service's manual, it talks about basically an escalation of force, and some were saying that, you know, this officer didn't necessarily have, you know, what was needed in order to use, you know, a taser or that level of force. So that was kind of their argument of excessive force. Can you explain to people kind of the scenario and why it may be explained that that it wasn't excessive or how a department would, would necessarily look at that based off of their
3: manual.
2: Yeah, so uh, the I believe I know they read a comment that you're referring to, and uh, they made the point that the National Park Service's law enforcement manual says that, you know, in order to make an arrest or an investigatory stop, if you can use a lower amount of force to make that happen, then that's what you should do. That's the gist of their policy. And a lot of people kind of uh, interpreted that to mean that just because the officer wasn't in immediate danger, uh, you know, physical danger, that he shouldn't have deployed his taser there. But if you look at the entire incident uh, from beginning to end, including the footage that Mr. House, you know, uh, his sister filmed, the officer did follow that protocol for a majority of the interaction. And I will say unequivocally that that officer uh, certainly had a lot more patience than many, uh, you know, officers that we see every day on on ATA and, and every other police interaction on YouTube. Yeah. Um, now, I do believe firmly that there's an argument to be made that that Taser was excessive. Uh, you know my personal belief and i I, i've said this before i said it on the patreon is that um is is that i wouldn't have used a taser in that situation uh, if i was a police officer of course i wasn't there in that moment and i've never been a police officer so there's a certainly a lot of psychological variables at play when you make a statement like that so i'm not claiming to be an authority on whether or not he should have used a taser But I can simply go by the information that I managed to acquire during my research, right, and which suggests that there's equally an argument to be made that, you know, Mr. House was doing actions that would constitute active resistance, which generally speaking uh, does allow the use of non-lethal weaponry like a, like a taser. So, although... You know, you could say that Mr. House screaming at the top of his lungs for help, which is what he did when he was confronted at the end by the officer, uh, you could argue that, you know, that wasn't necessarily a threat to the officer. But you also have to consider not just the fact that, you know, he was yelling, but also consider what he was yelling, because he was yelling, help, this guy's attacking me, this guy is tasing me. And neglecting to mention that it was an officer who was doing this, which adds a lot of variables to the encounter that, for example, if you imagine, let's say an armed citizen was standing at a a good distance away and he just sees a man attacking another man and he doesn't have the context that this is an officer trying to effectuate an arrest. He may very well open fire or, or something like that. So I can definitely see how there's an argument to be made that that first uh, taser deployment was excessive. And personally, uh, I I kind of fall into that philosophy as well. Uh, I've I've said this before on the the Patreon that if I was the officer in that scenario, I'd have my doubts that I would have used my taser in that situation. But of course, mm-hmm. I'm not an officer, and I I certainly can't be privy to all of the psychological elements that were at play in the moment you know who knows how I truly would have reacted with the emotional burden that comes with that scenario but i can also i also believe that it's important to consider that what mr house was doing wasn't just yelling he was actually yelling for help and saying help this guy is attacking me which is a lot different than just protesting your arrest and saying, you know, I don't agree with this arrest or yelling out, even just yelling at the top of your your lungs, just anything. Uh, he was calling for help and inviting people to intervene, inviting people to react to his uh, his plea for help, which, you know, obviously creates a dangerous situation for everyone involved. So I could see how... Yelling for help could easily be likened to something like yelling fire in a theater or yelling bomb on a plane, you know, those kind of things are not it's more than just someone yelling it's you also have to consider what they said when they were yelling so I can definitely see how the department might conclude that that first taser was warranted just to prevent anyone else from becoming involved in the, in the interaction. I mean, we're talking a lone officer here, Mm -hmm. uh, relatively far away from any kind of backup. I mean, he called for backup pretty relatively quickly within that uh, interaction, and it took them like 10 minutes to get there, roughly, you know, give or take. So, it's it's definitely you have to consider the disparity of force that's at play too. Obviously, the officer wasn't able to wrestle uh, Mister House to the ground, right? I mean, we all saw that in, in the uh, extended version at least. But he pulled away multiple times. He he even at one point snatched his phone off the ground in a very you know sneaky and kind of reactionary way. And it's I'm. I could definitely see how uh, an officer, another officer in that situation might have shot him at that moment. You know, Mm -hmm. he just, as much as the officer may have been wrong for tasing him, there's definitely a lot more wrong on the side of Mr. House. In if you take the scenario for what it is as a whole. And once again, I just want to reiterate that I personally don't necessarily agree with That first taser shot, but I also definitely see where a department would find that that tasing was legitimate, even though I don't personally believe that it was warranted and that I think that there were other solutions available. My point with everything that I said and why the officer didn't get uh, harshly penalized for using that taser is because there's definitely an argument to be made that it was legitimate.
0: So I'm all for, you know holding law enforcement to a higher standard than the citizens that they're policing that being said we also have to respect and understand that when somebody is you know allegedly breaking the law you know i'm i'm not a, an officer there i don't know how all that stuff works but if somebody is allegedly breaking the law uh and and you know they kind of caused this whole entire series of events i think it should be noted that when an officer does a good job for the most part, um, you know, we, we have to call that out too. Now, like you said, I may, I mean, and I probably wouldn't have used a taser um, that, you know, also could result in me dying at some point. So there's there's arguments to be made on both sides, but what are your thoughts about giving praise to an officer who's who's been lenient like that, you know, still not bringing somebody to jail, even though they could,
2: et cetera. I think that that's a good thing. That's always a good thing. If you, if you can avoid putting people in jail, then do so. You know, but also you have to enforce the law to a degree where it discourages other people from breaking the law, or else this entire concept of law and uh, the rule of law kind of falls apart. Especially when uh, you know you get to certain. Uh, you know, you and I were having a personal conversation about that the other day and how it's, it's important that the law be respected, if nothing else, even if we're accepting the results of that as being unfair to a degree, or if, you know, something along the lines of that just doesn't shake out the right way. That's just the nature of any system, whether that be philosophical in nature or political in nature. It's, that's the nature of all systems. And some people, are going to get a bitter taste in their mouth from the way justice is served. And this is, you know, the New Mexico uh, incident is certainly one of those situations where it's difficult to say that you, you can agree with the officer, but it's also impossible to say that you agree with uh, Mr. House's conduct. So you have to strike a balance there. And the officer did a great job of deciding not to make an arrest, even though, that he had more than enough evidence to do so. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of officers would benefit from that type of leniency, not just in the courts, but also within their communities. You know, and interacting with the people that they interact with on a daily basis. Yeah, and I if think can...
0: I think you're I think you're onto some with that. But but also, do you think do you think it would help if the community and, and if we in the auditing community kind of showcase some of these things? And And
2: gave credit where credits due, I think it would help the movement overall. Um, I'm not sure if it would if it would get enough traction on YouTube to make a significant difference. You know, We're mm-hmm. all bound by what works on the platform and what doesn't. And a sure. lot of times people most people would rather see a bad officer than a good officer, and that's just our human nature. So it's it's easy to sit here and say, yes, well, we should have channels that only showcase, you know, good police work as much as we have channels that only showcase bad police work. But we all know who's going to click on which channel, you know. Yeah, so that's very true. It's just the nature of the beast at this time. It's all the stuff
0: that we're interested in, you know, right. what happened here, what happened there, and, and then unpacking it. Yeah. well audit I appreciate you being on the episode uh, I'd like to have you on again um, for more uh, conversations about different stories that you're looking into and and, and different investigations that you're working on um, but I really appreciate you coming out and taking the time to explain you know that uh, that little kind of debate that sparked off uh, and just your thoughts surrounding that incident because I, I would say that you know we've talked about it privately a couple of times but I would say that I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, and, and I would also echo, I probably wouldn't have used my taser, uh, but I'm not that guy. So I think uh, I think we're on the same
2: page. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's a pleasure coming on. Feel free to invite me back whenever. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Audit.
0: All right, so there is a lot of opinions in the comments. So let's go over a couple of things real quick that I just want to address. So one of the things is uh, Ovis uh, says – A couple of different things, but one of the biggest things is that uh, and also Hussein shared this belief, but it was an unnecessary interaction in the first place. You know, and basically people just walking their dogs should be left alone. And while I completely understand that there is some innocence to this whole entire crime and the fact that it resulted and ended in a man being tased. Uh, on paper sounds terrible, but we do need to look at the facts This is why we like to carry cameras and why we tell you guys to film the police from start to finish so The first thing I would say is this you know uh, It's not about them knowing that they're breaking the law. There's over 10,000 laws there on the books and There's no way any of us can know all of them. So that being said that's where like the discretion comes into play. You know, that's where breaking the law is is kind of important to know. You know, if somebody's telling you, hey, you're you're on land that is not yours, that is protected, and I'm here to make sure that it stays protected, then I would probably say, you know, okay, I'm gonna check into what you're saying, and I'm gonna see if you're right, and I'm gonna err on the side of caution, and if you're wrong, I'm gonna File a complaint, I'm gonna do some legal paperwork depending on how much of my rights have been invaded, etc. So um that's just my thoughts on it. I know a lot of a lot of people don't necessarily uh you know in the same in the same category. Jason, what do you think?
1: I mean working in security, our job is to protect the property or merchandise or whatever our job is. And it's kind of the same thing for the Park Service, but they're sworn officers, so they have the ulta a fold, too, of the Constitution. Although, I'll be honest, I think the officer was super fair. um, Looking at the entire contents of the thing, it's always easier to sit back and play armchair quarterback. One thing we always tell everyone is, court is not right then and there. Court is in a courtroom. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy with resisting arrests, and the comments are all over the board. Mm -hmm. You can't resist arrest, period you know if it's legal or illegal arrest you you can't resist you're always going to lose government has a monopoly on force why would you want to get hurt or put yourself in that situation and then you have to explain in a courtroom to a judge that as well
0: yeah and and here's another thing i'm going to say too um for those that are upset that we're expressing our opinions I, i believe i did say it's my opinion we weren't there Ultimately, you're the judge because you are part of we the people. So just because I agree with or disagree with something does not mean that you have to or that I would expect you to. Uh, And, you know, essentially, I'm always happy to have both sides here. So, you know, Ovis, as much as you say that, you know, you're not too happy with uh, our thought process or our input, uh, you're more than welcome to stick around and and continue to put in your input. I'd love to even chat with you uh, on the program if you'd like. Um, So. Anyways, moving on, don't forget that we are going to be uh, checking live tomorrow with Jason if anything goes down, um, so we'll put out some, some different stuff, uh, but make sure to, to just follow up with us um, uh, tomorrow, and then we'll have a regular show on Thursday, and uh, we'll go from there, uh, so stick around uh, for the week, take care, be safe.
1: Don't forget to check out Rowdy's merch store. I know he's not going to plug it himself, so I will. I never do. And, um, yeah, hopefully nothing happens at the Capitol in Minnesota. We haven't heard anything. It seems to be pretty peaceful. But as you can see from the first clip, that's what it was in the beginning. And all of a sudden, the crowd came in. So I'll be down there. Hopefully it's going to stay peaceful. Rowdy and I are going to be in a lot of communication back and forth. So please watch and stay tuned. Yeah. All right, guys,
0: take care. Ovis, Hussein, some of the other ones, I really appreciate your input and, uh, and interaction in the show. Uh, God bless you. God bless us